What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys, and they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights, and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space, and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the sustainability 
and the growth of this thing cannot stress the importance of those reviews enough and appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so if you're not listening on itunes just go ahead give the podcast a follow and a like wherever you're listening from the podcast is on spotify now you can find it there if that's your preferred spot of listening and i've also been dropping some monthly playlists on spotify as well so those links will be in the episode notes if you want to keep up with those playlists and that spotify profile that will be there as well as the links for the dan cable presents mugs and t-shirts that are also available stoked to bring you episode 262 of the podcast portland-based producer free tillman is on the podcast this week had a really great chat with free over at his place last week and really enjoyed our conversation and getting to hear where his music comes from and and just what his early exposure to music was and sort of his mindset to his creative process and and the nature of of the art that he's putting out. So we will get into that momentarily. It's exciting to see people playing music again and lots of shows being announced and I had the opportunity to see some music this past weekend. Friday I went out to the new Stage 722 here in Portland and saw 40 Feet Tall who were my guests on the podcast just a couple weeks ago. They put on a killer show and that was the first time I had been to an indoor venue to see music since the uh the pandemic got underway so it was rad to be in a space like that and see a bunch of people moving around and and getting a circle pit going and seeing folks just in in close proximity and it was uh it was a great show so that was rad to get to see that new venue here in portland oregon and then the following evening i went to my first honeypot show which is a house show venue here in Portland that that many people know about. And typically they do a lot of basement shows, but they set up a really great stage in their backyard and they had the kickoff to the summer honeypot series. It was Larissa Birdseye who was on this podcast way early on, maybe like episode seven Larissa was the first person I ever saw play music here at an open mic. So she and her band were there. They were really amazing. And JC Proof, former guest of the podcast, Jeff Chilton, and his group were there. And that was super fun. They put on a super rad set, incredible energy. And Super Secret Band also played that night, another former guests of the podcast but I I was not able to stick around from that set but I saw a lot of cool videos so honeypot if you're in the Portland area you should you should try to check out one of these these house shows it was really cool experience and just really nice to be around people playing music at proper shows and house shows and just get to be around some some other people and and feel feel that community again feels like it it is back and and has returned and i am pumped about it 
Speaking of music, if you're in the Portland, Oregon area, you want to see some free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. There is free music going on at Produce Row here in Portland. And this Sunday, July 11th, New Victorian and Blair Borax will be there. A couple of singer-songwriters doing their thing. And July 14th, Sherbert, he's mentioned in this episode, he will be putting on a DJ set there along with DJ I Don't Know. And then July 18th, Portland hip-hop producer Gaspar will be there doing a DJ beat set. And July 21st, the LK's folk duo will be there. And July 25th kicks off the residency for my cousin, Bobby. He will be there spinning some vinyl on July 25th. And then July 28th is my Dan Cable Presents birthday party. I'll be doing a set. My cousin Bobby will be doing a set. And Sunday Blue, DJ Sunday Blue will also be there so that's wednesday july 28th come see some free music at produce road get some drinks get some food hang out cool place and speaking of my cousin we just dropped a new volume of i dig records which is a series that comes out in this podcast feed every other wednesday and we just did an episode on chicago rap duo mother nature and the record they made with producer boathouse it's called seasons it's one of my favorite releases of 2021 so it was cool to do the deep dive on that one so that's available stay tuned for more i dig records coming at you every other wednesday and fresh episodes of the podcast every friday and with that we are going to get into this one episode 262 free tillman has so much music to check out on the streaming services and Bandcamp. all the links will be in the episode notes for him as well as the sponsors of the podcast and all of those things i mentioned before so just tap into those if you want to learn more and we are going to get this thing going and we're going to kick it off with a track off of free tillman's pink record this is one of my favorite jams off that one it's called antasha let's do the damn thing Stoked to, stoked to chat with you, man. I've been diving heavy into mm-hmm. your 
music, at least all the stuff that's up on the streaming services, which mm-hmm. I saw that stuff goes back till about 2017. Yeah. Uh, literally pretty, pretty much everything that I make, I kind of put out. Like if I, if I'm starting to make a song and I don't like it, then I just stop making the song. <laughs> I just throw it away. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I became free Tillman in 2017. So that's when I started making, so the, that's pretty much when it started. Okay. I'll take it back. Let's take it back before the, the free Tillman era started mm-hmm. and, uh, How'd you get hooked into music? Oh, I mean, that's a lifelong thing. Like my dad uh, was in the military and he was a he was a DJ on the weekends. And he just had, you know, he traveled around and he just had like this crazy record collection. And my earliest memories are of just like sitting on the floor and like listening to my dad's record collection of just every possible, you know, from soul records, soul, funk. Um, a little country in there, um, comedy records, just everything, just you know, reggae, any anything that uh, he was listening to, I was trying to check it out too. And also, my dad was probably thirty years old when hip hop became a thing. And there's, I, it's it's so weird that um, I mean, you think about like this new music that comes out that you know it's basically somebody rapping somebody talking over your disco records like that's pretty much what it is and can you imagine like being 30 years old hearing that and actually like digging it like it seems yeah <laughs> it seems insane that that uh i mean because even now there's plenty of like 30 year olds who are like oh i hate all this like new stuff but right 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 my dad was uh my dad was into it like there's one time when he went to we went to buy like the the crush groove um uh, soundtrack went to a record store and to this day i don't know if he bought it for me or if he bought it for, for himself um it's just one of those things like he was just hip when it came to music so i just i don't know i've, I've always been a, it's been a lifelong quest to hear every song that's ever been made yeah <laughs> and you were exposed early to a bunch of different yeah. genres which yeah seems to uh be representative in in the music that you make mm-hmm. and the music that you're interested in to this day seems to be pretty pretty wide yeah yeah it is and i i mean that's not on purpose but it's just you know it's just the way it is like i i don't i get i get bored listening to one type of thing so yeah. i'm just always listening to everything i possibly can is it is it come and go in in waves for you will you be in a big soul oh pocket and oh, and then move into yeah, especially now with like streaming music where you can just download whatever you want. Like you can if you looked at like the songs that my recently added list, like you can see when I was in my jazz bag <laughs> and then like later on I'm in my experimental bag and then I go into like some pop stuff. So or I go into like um some some jam rock or some, you know, just whatever. Like you can look at in my history and be like, Oh yeah, this this hour that's all I was listening to and then an hour later that's I was just going back to listen to Shopper Ranks or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> for you, an hour. Are you doing as much digging backwards in time as you are trying to keep up with what's coming out now? Um, yeah. I, I, I think it goes both ways for me. Like I'm constantly every time I hear something I wanna say, Okay, like what was you know, what was before that? Like what what made that? And I and if I'm reading an article and they say, you know, I, I grew up listening to you know X, Y, Z, then I go, well, what was that band? And then I, I go back and I listen to that yeah. so I can see what that came from. So I'm always going backwards and forward. Like I'm always trying to say constant. 
like current, I mean, um, with whatever's going on right now. But I'm, I definitely want to hear what other what influences other people. Yeah, I think that's been one of the one of the joys and something I've talked about on this podcast is, you know, you sit down with people that you respect the the music they're making mm-hmm. and they bring up an artist or a record mm-hmm. or a particular jam. And if I don't know it, that's instantly getting mm-hmm. added. Yeah. Like, quickly and and just kind of wanting to to learn more about it and its influence mm-hmm. on these different things yep yeah i think it's such a you know going back to what you're even talking about with your your dad openly receiving the hip-hop at mm-hmm. age 30 yeah i think it's such a fucking trap that people fall into as far as the excuse that no one's making good music mm-hmm. anymore yeah especially as you get older mm-hmm. and it's uh it's so interesting for me to hear people say that. And I, I, uh, it's so tired. It's just, you're just lazy. Like if you feel, if you feel that way, you're just lazy. You're not, you're not putting in the work. You can, there, there's something, especially now there's something for everybody, no matter what you listen to, there's something, there's some pocket somewhere. Yeah. There's amazing music being made Mm. across all genres right now. Exactly. And, and I just want to put, um, like, I don't want to put my dad out there, but like by the time uh, gangster rap came around, he was kind of out. Like, he was, <laughs> like by the time NWA came around, he's like, okay, I'm out. This, this, this rap stuff is, is a bit much. <laughs> Where'd you, uh, did you move around a lot of, as a kid since um, yeah, dad my, was in the military? Uh, yeah, my dad was in, in, in the army and he was like drafted when he was 19 in, in Vietnam. And um, so uh, we moved around not not a whole lot like i have older brothers they probably experienced it more than i did but you know i was born in texas in fort hood texas um and i moved to germany like right after i was born like literally within weeks after i was born we moved and then i lived there for the first three years of my life and my first memory ever is being on in an airport being flown back to America. Obviously, I didn't know that I was being flown back to America, but that's my first memory is being in an airport traveling. So, yeah, when I was when I was three, we moved back to the States. I lived in Virginia. Then we eventually moved back to Texas. And as an adult, I've moved around a lot, too. But like I've lived in Florida, Southern California. I, before I moved to Portland, I lived in Southern California for like most of my adult life. So whereabouts? Um, I lived in uh, the valley in L.A., but the, the valley like from I lived in Woodland Hills, Van Nuys, Pasadena. Um, I also moved to Orange County. I lived in Santa Ana for a while, so you know I bounced around a lot. Yeah, that's uh that's the area that that I am from. Mm, cool. Yeah, Riverside. Okay. Area. Born in L.A. Okay. Yeah. Cool been up here like eight years yeah or so uh, i gotta be honest not not a big fan of orange county yeah uh it's not, not <laughs> i don't my, live there anymore for a reason <laughs> it's not my favorite place yeah. definitely not the uh the place i was trying to spend time in if mm-hmm. i didn't have to yeah you know it's yeah not, it's yeah. nice being around the beach but yeah it's not great yeah <laughs> i'm with you on that when did you uh start kind of immersing yourself in music on on a level where you were actually participating in in instruments or uh you know starting to produce music of your own um well i've been i don't know since like the early 2000s i kind of you know kind of put my toe in 
you know, with making music and stuff. And at first I thought I wanted to be a rapper. Like I feel like a lot of people do when they first start making music, they want to be like the person up front. And then I was like, ah, that's not really that interesting to me after a while. And also I, I don't think I was really that good at it. Um, so I was kind of off and on. And then I went back to, to school, you know, got a, got a degree and, you know, just kind of had that life for a while. And then I don't know, it just, the music thing just kind of crept back in. And, um, in 2017 was when I went to, you know, um, I went to a music store and I, and I bought the MPK mini that I still use. I still play that to this day. Um, I bought that and I bought a laptop that I use just for music and really nothing else. And I said that I'm going to do this. I changed my name to free and, uh, I just I don't know I don't know what well actually I do know what it was it was 2016 that made me feel like maybe the world is ending and I need to do whatever <laughs> whatever uh I need to do what makes me happy um and so I don't know some, something kind of died in me in uh in in November of 2016 <laughs> um did you want, have I don't want to talk too much about it. <laughs> did you have much prior knowledge of the MPK before you picked it up uh, no i just um i just wanted like i know a lot of i know samplers um like I, I went to school to be a recording engineer like when i lived in florida so like i i know how to use you know boards like i so i understand gear and i understand like i the first thing i ever used were pro tools um so i i know you know i, I know gear and, and stuff like that but i don't know i i didn't want to get something i didn't want to I didn't want the the learning curve to be too steep. Yeah, I just wanted to do what I wanted to. Do. I just wanted to make the music I wanted to make. So I just wanted something where I can you know, load the sample that I want and hit the button and it does the thing. <laughs> uh, and that that seemed to be and and it was pretty cheap. So I don't know. I'm I'm not a person. I don't have like tons of gear. I I never wanted to be the person that has tons of gear that has like so many keyboards in his in his house that he he can't he can't move around. Like, I never <laughs> wanted to be that guy. So um, yeah. Uh, there there was nothing. I mean, I don't know. I just looked at reviews and it, it seemed like it was pretty simple to use and people seemed to like it and it was cheap. So I went with that. What was your experience with kind of wrapping your mind around it once you? did plug in with it did you take to it pretty quickly or was it a, a really challenging experience for you uh no it's not that difficult because uh, i really like it that it has a keyboard and um as a kid like i'm not a great piano player but i do understand uh music theory like i was you know i was in band in, in high school and, and junior high so i understand music theory i can read music even though i don't really really play anything anymore but you know i, I understand it and keys is the most uh natural thing to me being able to play the keyboard so being able to do that just it just felt natural so it, it was pretty i i took to it pretty pretty quick what sparked your interest to do the the recording engineering program um i think it was i wanted to do something that had to do with music but i didn't want to be up front I, like, I didn't want to be, you know, a lead singer or a rapper or anything. I wanted to have something. I wanted to be involved, but I didn't want to be up front. And I don't know, engineering just seemed to be the perfect thing. Um, it turned out it really wasn't. Um, I really liked, I wanted to make music. 
and engineering isn't really making music i mean it, it is but it's not it, it's not the, as as creative like engineering is you have to understand uh certain things and you know you're plugging things in the right place and you're getting sounds that you want but it's not necessarily a lot of times you're working for other people right and i don't know that that just didn't interest me i wanted to be able to make the sounds that i wanted to make and not really think about it so it, it helped me with creating being able to you know take that next step and understand being able to understand equipment um but i didn't want to work for anyone else and i didn't want to i don't know it, it just wasn't i, I didn't want to be a guy for hire yeah I and i imagine that uh, is incredibly helpful to you now as you mm. as you do make your own music having all the you know education understanding mm -hmm. the ins and outs of of engineering yeah i i think it does it helps you know, uh, if there's a question that you know that I don't really understand, uh, I know where to look, and that that's probably the most important thing, is being able like you don't have to know everything; you just have to know someone that knows something or know where to find the answer. That that I feel like that's the most important thing. Some people think you have to know everything, but like you, if you see those huge boards. Like you go into a recording studio and see that huge board, and you're like kind of nervous. You're like, "What does this do?" Well, the reality is like all those strips are the same. If you understand one of those strips, you understand all of them. It's not that daunting. If you can understand signal flow and how to get you know from A to B, um, if you understand one of them, you understand all of them. And uh, and once that kind of clicked, I, I you know it, it became less scary. And I don't know. I I, I can. I can figure out, like, if something goes wrong, I can figure out how to fix it. That's the the short version. So did you spend, like, a year after getting that, that MPK just geeking out with it and starting to put productions of your own until you were, had something you were confident that you were ready to put something out into the world under Free Tillman? Um, I was... I started working on music immediately because, like I said, I had been, you know, making beats earlier, but, you know, it was never really anything that I really pursued. So but I understood the mechanics of how to do everything. So, I mean, like I know how to count bars and, you know, how yeah. to where where a breakdown should be and, you know, where, you know, certain things should come in. So I understand uh, music theory and all that stuff. So the. So I immediately started making music and within months I had just kind of put together something that I really liked. It was probably like, I don't know, maybe like six months before I put out my first project. And I mean, I don't know, that first year I, I honestly, it's okay. I mean, there, there's, there are songs that I, um, I'm still proud of and I, there are songs that I was play today, but there's about, you know, I'd say about 60% that's like, what was I thinking? This, is, <laughs> this shouldn't be out in the world. I but, think, I think but, a lot of people feel that way yeah, about their yeah. early projects. Yeah. But honestly, like most of my recent stuff, I'm proud of like 90%. Like when I, like one of my, the album that kind of, I feel like I put everything together was my way home. Like that was, that was the album that I feel like I really, came into my own as a producer and ever since then everything i put out since then i'm really really proud of yeah man i uh i really like a lot of the cinematic nature mm -hmm. to the music that you make uh, i'm thinking about the the absolute zero record mm -hmm. 
like that. Yeah, people people really really like that. That was the first time I kind of experimented with uh, like electronic music. Like I was uh, originally the stuff. Everything I was making was kind of boom bap because that's you know that's my that's the root of everything that I do. Um, but yeah, people people like that absolute absolute zero. Yeah, I really dig that Alpha Versions track. It's mm. the the vocal narrative mm. in the middle of super dope. Mm. Um, is that something you spend? a lot of time fucking around with just the the way a message can be mm-hmm. communicated over different sonic landscapes and setting those up like that yeah that that's exactly what it is all of my albums that i've put out yeah i, I would say all of them have a theme not all of them have like a, a direct story like absolute zero actually has a story to it my way home has a story to it um uh, like um i did one last year called post everything which was like a part two of absolute zero so uh, a lot of them have like a literal story and then a lot of them just have a feeling that i'm trying to get to and i don't make i don't make music to like chill and study to like so if if that's what you do then you know good on you but i'm i'm not a person like I, i don't want you to like sit back and like study while listening to my music that's not what it's for you're you're uh, it's it's meant to, every song is meant to give you a different emotion and a different feeling and um every song is like trying to tell a story so that's that that's my motivation for everything that i put out still take blue. I don't know. I think I might get used to this. Rhoda love it. message is loud and clear to me listening and i think that you do such a a killer job of setting up a narrative and then letting it unfold from there and it's just like oh there's there's a tone trying to be communicated to go along with this or even the stuff that doesn't have a vocal narrative mm-hmm. you know? yeah i appreciate that yeah that's that's definitely the the goal for everything that i do the nice thing is is that you can also just kind of listen to it with it mm. on in the background mm. as well yeah yeah I, i'm not opposed to it it's just like when when i'm making music i don't i don't want to make it sound like you you have to like sit down and like break down everything but like um it it really like some people do literally make music for the background and i and i don't do that right they're trying to uh jump on a lo-fi yeah playlist yeah and get paid <laughs> yeah and you know like i said if that's if that's what you want to do i mean i'm not i'm not dissing anybody but <laughs> that's not for me are you uh so when you're you're composing tracks you got a project going is it pretty easy for you to identify 
while you're cre- while you, while you already have, you know, maybe something like post everything. Mm-hmm. You got that going and you create a new track while that's happening. Is it easy for you to identify, hey, this is part of this post everything track or I should save this for later. This mm-hmm. this belongs somewhere else. Uh well, what I do when I put out an album after i put something out i just i don't make any music for about a month i'm pretty much just promoting and i don't really pick up anything uh normally and then about a month later then i start getting back to work and the reason why i do that is because i just want to start from zero i want to start fresh like like i've never made an album before that's pretty much how i start every album like i kind of forgot how i did the last thing and i'm trying to figure out how to do it again and when i start doing that like the first couple songs it's it's like you know those first couple of pancakes that they didn't really, <laughs> it didn't really hit you're like uh yeah these are but like by the third or fourth we're like okay this uh kind of found my groove again oh, and, i love that and when you're um when you know uh it just gets whatever moment I'm in in my life that's just the sound that I'm making like I don't I don't purposely like make like I made an album called Black that was came out in 2020 and it was about you know that that summer it was about like after the after the death of George Floyd I was I was mortified like I was I was so depressed that the entire summer like that really hit me hard and I just made an album that was just called Black that just had I took all these elements of black music like from all over the world and you know from some some people might might say highbrow or a lowbrow but I don't really believe in that but it's you know from you know more classical like nicer stuff to you know to Griselda type stuff like I'm I'm trying to like incorporate all Mm. of that because all of that is black and I wanted to just make an album like that. And that's just where I was at that moment. So I just started making music like that. It wasn't like a, I didn't, I tried not, I tried not to force anything. After I make the first like three or four tracks, then I say, okay, this is where I am. And then I start building songs around that. Is there a lot of freedom for you when you finally put that project like out into the universe after working on it? Uh, Yeah. I mean, after, after, you know after going through everything that i did to like make it 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 feels good to be like okay well um you know and now now everyone gets to hear it um the unfortunate thing about that is that for for whatever reason people always listen to my albums that came out like a few years before they don't <laughs> like when i when i put out a new album like people people listen like i have like pockets of people that are fans that listen to that but for whatever reason everyone's like listening to an album i put out like a, a, a year or two ago it takes everyone like a year or two to catch up. Like, you know, like that, like I said, people love absolute zero. And I mean, I like, I love it too. It's a great album, but like people are like just now listening to that. (laughs) And like, I kind of forgot it. (laughs) But like with the project like black, Mm -hmm. is there some sense of relief after you're obviously Mm -hmm. the content is heavy, Mm -hmm. what you're talking about, but then you're immersing yourself in Mm -hmm. that content, Mm -hmm. creating the project. Mm -hmm. So, is there some sense of a little relief in in freeing that as well? Yeah, I mean there is, um, but I also, I mean it is really it's, some stuff is really heavy, but there's also you know there's jokes in it, there's funny stuff in it too. The comic like, relief. Yeah, I mean all of it because like I said, like it's all encompassing. There are black comedians. Like I have Italy news with black comedians. I mean it's it's all it's everything. So I mean it's not. 
um it, it wasn't it, it's not meant to be like super heavy it's just meant to like encompass everything that it is whatever the, the color i was going for so uh it just it just felt yeah it, it just felt good to to put it out it was great i think that kind of goes back to those roots of being exposed to those comedy records too as far yeah. as putting some of that stuff yeah in absolutely the music. like i'm definitely like uh when when i think about the things that i absolutely love music is first um movies is probably second and comedy is is, is third like i i've i've seen if you put out a comedy album or a special in like the 90s i saw it like if oh, it was yeah. on if it was on like the comedy comedy central oh like, yeah i i saw it absolutely same <laughs> like no matter what it was if it was you know whether it was george carlin or martin lawrence like any yeah it, every everybody like i don't like i was i watched tim allen's <laughs> yeah dude the comedy <laughs> I, oh I man anything those comedy central specials mm-hmm. were that was the that was the era for mm-hmm. it yeah that was amazing that's dope as far as the the other vocal narration moments that that i really dig on post mm-hmm. everything there's the, on this is physically hurting me mm-hmm. that part where it's like why don't why don't they just have a button that says disengage <laughs> uh what was uh, uh, uh do you know what tv show is i don't uh i think it's avenue five i think okay um <laughs> um it's a sh- i think it's on i know what, i know yeah. what you're talking okay, yeah. about so it's from that so if you watch it i mean it's a great show but yeah i fell off on it I, yeah i watched the whole thing didn't didn't didn't, didn't love it. it i thought it had a couple you know it had some moments but i uh i don't know it was just one that yeah. never never clicked in yeah. heavy for me yeah i can see that but uh, yeah i'm a big uh um, a, a bit of fry and lowry a fan yeah like i don't think that show gets okay. enough respect so anything like either one of those guys do i'm always wait wait no I'm because the laterals are still engaged so it's stopping the engine and disengaging the laterals whatever they are how do i do that come on come on man this is, this is, this is physically hurting me working it out this, this, is, this is this process why did they just have a button that says disengage oh look they have look yeah yeah can i press it at this point i'm beginning to wonder Yay, he can. Uh, now I stop the engine. Uh, no, because you got to clear the filters, which you do before you ignite. Well, like I said, I don't. Like I said, when I first started out, I I rapped a little bit, and on one song on every album, I typically like there's like one rap, and on that album, I think it's on Post Everything where I'm, that's me rapping. I think that's the song. What, there's one song where there's rapping and that's me. Uh, why why is that important to you, or why do you feel like um, including you know at least one track? Um, I don't know. I mean, it is something. It's I don't have I don't know if I can make a whole album, but I like throughout throughout the day I might think of something that you know would would go into something and then. Over a few months, I might put together, you know, 16 bars and like it might and I'll be like, you know what, what else am I going to use this for? So it, it just goes on there. So like I, I write really slow. Apparently, I don't I don't I don't have a desire to to make an album where I'm just rapping. So but every now and then I just have thoughts and jot them down and be like, oh, that would be cool to put something in. And then over a, a month or two, I have, you know, a couple verses and they just go on the album. 
so you're not typically sitting down and, and stuff's just pouring out mm-hmm. of you where you're yeah no that, writing that, bar after yeah, bar no, that, that never happens <laughs> it's just a mm-hmm. bunch of collection yeah. of, of random thoughts mm-hmm. and are you when you're composing music are you are you thinking because obviously most of the stuff you're doing is instrumental mm-hmm. but is there often some sort of vocal melody in your head or or some sort of uh rhythm that you're kind of writing to sometimes as far as as keeping a vocal in mind um honestly no i like instrumental music and i don't really think about lyrics or vocals like i i mean in, in my everyday life i love lyrics but as far as but i do love especially as i get older i love ambient music like i love music that's not i don't know it's it's sort of like a dream it's it's just meant to give you like a hint of what it means and then you go you take it wherever you want to take it and i love that you know it's it's not telling you directly what it is it's just giving you a little bit and then you 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 know you you explore you take it you you run with it and i'm just passing you the baton and that that's how i that's how i make music it's it's like there there's an idea there and i just want to lay it out for you it's kind of hazy and you just run with it yeah the last I don't know, man. Seven, eight years has been my my instrumental music mm-hmm. awakening, mm-hmm. and I love it for all the reasons that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. That there is no there's no lyrics to really dictate what they want me to feel mm-hmm. listening to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just where wherever my imagination seems to to take this thing, and if I if I pull a lot from the the title i pull a lot from the title you know it's, it's kind of like you're saying you've yeah. you've passed me the baton to do whatever the fuck mm-hmm. i'm gonna do with it yeah i mean that's uh and a lot of times like uh the 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 idea for the song is in the title so that's <laughs> and sometimes it's not sometimes it's just a random thing that i thought was funny but um yeah but uh, when when i name the track um that sometimes that gives you a hint sometimes it doesn't but <laughs> talk to me about the the pink record and the concept uh, behind that one um that one i don't know that one just came like i said i was just in that mood um where everything i was making was just like super mellow uh the the idea of it like that's just where i was i just wanted to create something that was just really relaxed and that maybe that was just what i needed um and and it just so happened that um most of the vocals that i was using like i would you know have a vocal line coming through or some type of sample or something and it was always a woman for like i didn't think of it like that wasn't the plan but i just it just hit me that that was kind of it and i also separately from making this album always had this idea sometimes i have like themes when i name an album and this one i just had i just i just had an idea where i said I want to name all the songs on an album that part in a rap song where the rapper says the female names, the female artist's name or whatever. Like the most famous one is probably, um, I don't know, like, um, trying to think of what, what's a famous one. Like you, you ready B at the beginning of Bonnie and Clyde for, you know, um, or, uh, Mar- oh, me and Mariah go back like babies and pacifiers. 
Like just that that's probably that's probably the most famous one where old dirty bastard says that. Just the I don't know, for whatever reason, like I just wanted to put all those together for whenever the, the rapper says the female female artist's name. And I just did that. And that was completely separate from making this album. Then I was like, Oh, I can use that idea for this and it just kinda all went together. Like it was it wasn't an idea, it just happened. Yeah, man. When Aaliyah walked in. Oh yeah. Yeah, when Aaliyah walked in, um, yeah, with a slick Rick, yeah. <laughs> this is a, I think, hopefully a, a compliment to the music as a whole. But it was specifically when I was checking out the Pink Project, I was, uh, I was going through all your tunes, and I had to, uh, I had to listen to something else real quick for some other work, and. After that track ended, that was not yours. It slipped right back into your music, and I, I was instantly like pulled right back in, which I thought was uh, very cool. Like mm-hmm. it, it was, it was transcendent in that way, and just uh, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm back in this again, because I, mm-hmm. you know, I'd started Pink, I'd listened to a few tracks, mm-hmm. and then diverted from the project, and then right back to it and i was like oh this is where i want to be this is right right back where <laughs> oh, i want to yeah, be thanks man. appreciate that yeah that's that that's awesome um i'm glad that like it creates a mood like that's like i said like it's just i want to when i make like the first three tracks that i like and i go okay i'm gonna go with this this is the idea so the, you know after i made those first three or four or whatever it is I make a bunch of other ones that kind of like complement that. Not not try to try not to make the same thing over, but something different that complements it somehow. And that's you know that's generally how I make an album. And then like the album after that was um, Versus, which is like super dark. It's the exact yeah. opposite. Yeah. So like whatever mood I'm in at the time, I don't. Know, pink was just what I needed at the time. I just needed something relaxing. Well, it's like whole a uh, whole aesthetic and mm-hmm. a whole vibe. Are you are you ever composing? with a visual in front of you like uh, you know no. just you just having a movie on with no, on silent no i've never or done that. I've, like that. I've met people that done that before um and yeah it, it, it seems to work for them i don't know it just doesn't no, i've never i've never thought about doing that and you know it's never it's never happened do you feel like your your love of movies often sparks ideas for you though um it it definitely sparks um the uh, the the titles of the songs, and when I'm when I when I catch something like samples, you know, I have like samples from movies all throughout my stuff, um, and I try to pick like random, so I try not to use like obvious stuff, um, but and also when I put videos up on on uh, Instagram, I try to you know I'm watching some random movie and I think oh that that's a really good scene and I think you know maybe the song that I made would go with that, so. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it like influences the music like directly, but um, yeah, when I, when I'm, you know, when I want to put something more direct in there, like a sample or something, and I want something that like directly speaks to people because there's not a lot of vocals, definitely movies come in when that happens. Yeah, is is the the Love Jones, the the Free Love mm-hmm. record, is that the the first collaborative? thing that you've uh, done yeah. yeah it is um he just like contacted me this was at um this is a 2020 this is in april of 2020 he just like contacted me and was like hey you want to you know do this project where we put a bunch of you know i 
get a bunch of samples you get a bunch of samples put them together and we'll i'll flip it one way and you flip it another way and just see how it happens and i was like yeah i'm down and uh, at that time i had just finished i just finished an album um but i had like a couple of like leftover songs that i wanted to sample um that you know i never really got around to so i was like yeah this would be perfect i could use those for that and it it just kind of worked out uh it, it what if he had asked me like a month later like that's because that's when uh george floyd died and i, I would have been like you know passed out on the floor depressed like i would have been i wouldn't have been able to do it so it's it's good that he he asked me at that moment and it just so happened um that i had a bunch of stuff so it was just perfect timing yeah what do you feel like that experience does for your creative process moving forward like did you have a uh kind of hands-on experience seeing how how love jones works on his stuff as well or did, were you guys doing this very remotely uh, i mean well it was 2020 so yes so <laughs> during the pandemic yeah so. so obviously it was remotely but um yeah we we put that album together like last year and then it just because we were both putting out so many projects and other things in life were going on uh, we didn't put it out until 2021 so but this this album has probably been done since like maybe the fall of, of 2020 um so i didn't really get to see like hands-on but i did it was interesting to hear like i i would flip a song one way and then i'd hear what he did with it and it would just be really cool to see you know what part he picked that i didn't pick or what part uh, i picked that he didn't pick and uh what he you know decided to do with it what what direction because we both have kind of similar styles because we're both kind of like like really laid back and ju i think just in general we're both just our personalities are kind of similar and um it just kind of it just kind of worked that worked out that we didn't make the same song over and over it was just like that 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 was that was a testament to like mm. um to to me and to him um, just how, how, you know, two artists can you see something, but we see it in different ways, even though we're very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, it was just really great to, to hear. And I'm, I was so disconnected from this album because by the time it, by the time it came out, I had stopped listening. Like I had working on my own stuff. I had barely listened to it. And when I first like heard it, like when he said, cause he, he mastered it and everything. So when he sent me like the final mixes and everything, it sounded like a new album. Like I didn't feel like I made it at all. It sounded like a completely new thing because I hadn't listened to it for months and months and months. So, uh, it, I mean, I, I'm a fan of the album, whether or not I had a part in it too, because I don't even feel like I did. Yeah. Being that it was your uh, first collaboration of sorts, mm -hmm. was that, was it difficult for you at all to, uh, you know, relinquish some of the the creativity and let you know someone else do something um, on a track that you're working on um well we didn't work on the same tracks together so i just made okay i just made the stuff i made and he made the stuff he made and then we just so it wasn't like we we made stuff together i just i just made a bunch of like i took some of the samples he chose and he okay. took some of the samples that i chose we just put a bunch of stuff in a grab bag and then we just pulled out and pulled out a bunch of stuff and yeah we just decided to you know flip the same songs and um yeah so so i didn't like i wasn't like hands i didn't hear 
like what exactly what he was doing understood was just, like I, I finished the song i sent it to him okay and i heard it and then you guys kind of just came together to communicate on what the, the sequencing of, yeah. of this would be mm-hmm. uh to be honest like he did uh, like aside from the music he did like 90 percent of the rest like he like we collaborated on the album cover. like he created the album cover but i was like well maybe we should change the color or you know move this move that but like he made it and he he got it mastered and he like did, he did the sequencing like he every we just checked up and he was like okay you happy with this yeah it's like yeah yeah um or no maybe you should change that but for like he did a, a lot of that behind the scenes work does that make you eager to want to do more collaborative projects with other producers? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just because it, Jonas is a friend. He's like, there are, you know, I, I know a lot of, of beatmakers. I know a lot of artists. Um, but aside, outside of the art, Jonas is a friend. Like we, like we literally just hung out yesterday. Yeah. We're just, we're just friends. Like I would, so, I don't know. I, I don't know. I was. I would feel as comfortable working with anyone else. He, he's a friend outside of music. So there's gonna be more Love Jones, Free Tillman hey. music. Hey. That's what right. you're saying. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see. what the people <laughs> want. We'll see if we can get a uh, Free Love Volume Two. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> yeah, I dug the project. That Bleecker Street mm. song is is banging. And then I threw one another one of those tracks on one of my monthly playlists mm-hmm. a month or two ago. So. People I think that was Understand. Yeah. I think that was one. That, so Understand he made and Blinker Street is one that I made. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I'll definitely put the links in the episode notes so people yeah. can keep up with all the music that you're making. So much music for people <laughs> to check out if they're they're new to what you're doing, which was uh, a fun part of my experience of kind of yeah. informing myself for this conversation. Yeah, it, it was fun working with him because he has you know fans that don't know who, who I am. He, he, he definitely has more fans than I do. Uh, there, there are more people that know him than know me. So just like, you know, people would uh, probably like see my name next to his and be like, oh, who is this guy? And they'll, they'll check it out. So that so just working with other people. And I, and I am trying to, uh, like I'm not completely standoffish. I do work with, you know, other people. I am open to working with other people. It's just, um, uh, I don't know if I would do a whole project. Well, you, you also seem to... Uh be cranking out quite a bit of material on your own so yeah. it doesn't seem like you necessarily <laughs> need more outside input yeah. to to spark yeah. more creativity at the moment yeah i mean i'm uh, I, i'm not constantly making but like believe it or not i'm not constantly like i said i i make an album i stop for a month and then i get back to work and then you know maybe a couple maybe a couple months later i'll I'll make something else so i do have moments where i'm not making music at all i have like long periods where i don't make music at all it's just that when i make an album i'm like in it in it so it doesn't take me that long to make it when you think about you know your progress five years in or so from Mm -hmm. you know picking up that first mpk um what do you notice the the biggest difference in your process or creating from from where you started um i feel like i um i'm better at like utilizing a sample um and and sometimes i was kind of like scared to pick something that was uh i was kind of scared of having things that were too repetitive i was i was kind of scared of that and i would always make songs that like 
you know, changed a lot. And, and you know, and um, I don't know, I, I've, I've become more comfortable in my sound and I just want to make something that uh, makes, I don't know, like it's okay to go like 16 bars without changing. You know, I guess that's that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I'm more confident that I don't have to like do a bunch of backflips mm. to to get you to like listen to this song all the way through. I'm more confident to say, well, if you if you don't like it, you can turn it off. And that's 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 one of the most that that's the biggest change. It's just that I'm not like I'm not trying to please whoever the listener is. I just want to make the sound that I want to make. Yeah, that's the biggest difference. Do you remember? the first time you sampled something and it and it worked um yeah i do i also remember a lot of times uh, there's, there's a couple of samples that i've been trying to work for years and i never been <laughs> i always go back and determined though you're yeah. still it's still chiseling yeah, away at a few yeah. huh yeah but um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll start making a song. Then I'll just I'll just throw it away, and then like a year later, I'll try to oh, maybe I can do something else. With that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I can't remember the name. I, I don't know. I don't remember the name of, of any of the samples. But yeah, I do remember like the first time when you know I looped up something and I you know added some drums or whatever, and it was like, oh, this sounds like a real song. Like I feel it sounds sounds like I did a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just having that feeling yeah. of yeah. like, oh, this sounds like yeah. something that somebody else does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, this this sounds like you know. Obviously, I'm not you know, I'm not I'm not primo, but you know, this 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 might you know, <laughs> this, you know, this, this might fit in that. Like, I remember the first time I've been trying to make a sound. The first time I ever tried to make a beat, I wanted to make a beat that sounded like RZA, and it sounded nothing like it. And then it took me like a few years. I think like on my album I made called 1994. The name of the song is Woo Woo Woo. And that's a song that people like really do like a lot. Like that's on a lot of people's playlist. And it was the like the first song that I ever made that I think kind of sounds like a, a RZA track. So I remember being very proud of that. <laughs> I know in your your day to day, you're uh, you know, do research work and mm-hmm. real numbers guy. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like that transfers over into your creative process as far as, I don't know, digging deep into the history of music or even just, uh, you know, connecting the dots mm-hmm. between different tracks or rhythms and algorithms? Yeah. Uh, in my everyday life, I'm a, I'm a researcher. So that is kind of, I mean, in its own way, that is digging. Like that's like literally like you're trying to find out an, an answer to a problem. So, and also, I mean, it's being a numbers guy i do i'm more meticulous with certain things you know i'm trying to like get this i'm trying to you know break this loop off at the right place where the where the wave hits at the right place so that it doesn't you know doesn't cause any distortion or anything and you know i do think about those things a lot and maybe that's that's a part of it just being kind of nerdy about that type yeah of you're not gonna let certain shit slide <laughs> yeah. because of that yeah yeah i would imagine that's a good thing though for your <laughs> yeah. for your process yeah but but I also try not to overthink anything too. Yeah, That's I mean, important. yeah. Going back to what you were talking about, as far as you know, most of the music that you have made, you have put out, mm-hmm. and if you're not digging something, mm-hmm. you just kind of quit yeah. on that song. How how long will you, you know, before sp- I quit? Yeah, like how long um, will you dig into something before about, you're like, fuck, fuck it, uh, like this is and, not more worth and, my time. An hour. 
an hour if i'm tinkering with a song for an hour and it's like or if i'm like i'm making it and it's like oh this sounds really good and then like i don't know after a while i'm just like eh, is it is it really good? <laughs> i don't know um and yeah if, if i don't enjoy it after an hour i just i just toss it and i make something else volume one of free lunch mm-hmm. most experimental experimental record that you've made thus far oh, with, without a doubt um and it was probably the most fun just because i'm not thinking about I, I was i wasn't as meticulous on this one um it was i was trying to just go with whatever the feel is and i wasn't trying to you know does this harmony match up with this harmony do these drums you know kick the way i was just like whatever feeling that i wanted to get but th- does it make me feel that way? And that was it. You know, it's this, you know, some songs are more aggro. Some songs are, you know, trying to, it's just noise. Yeah. Like they're, they're a literal, like the sounds of a garbage truck is, <laughs> is in this album. Um, I have the sound of like, um, I was, uh, cutting some cauliflower and I was like ripping the stump out of the cauliflower. It's like, Oh, that sounds kind of cool. So I just recorded that. And the sound of me like ripping a stump out of cauliflower is on this album. Um, there are, you know, door slamming, you know, it's just, I just took a bunch of different sounds and I don't know. And again, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about what other people thought. Like, it's okay. Cause with this type of music, it's kind of hard to make, make it concise. Like the whole point of ambient music, like you, it's kind of hard to make a one minute long ambient song. Like that's not the point. The point is for it to be at least five, you know, 10 minutes long. Like that's, that's the idea of it. That's the whole point. You're supposed to sit down and meditate and think about this. So uh, I'm not worried about if you're going to just going to listen to the first 30 seconds. I, w- I like, I hope that you listen to the whole thing, but the, the whole point of it is for you to just sit down and be with it. Yeah. Just, just sit there. And I'm and like I said, like I couldn't have made this album a few years ago cause I wasn't confident enough. Mm. to be like uh, they're, they're not gonna like this like that no one wants to hear a door slamming like no one, <laughs> no one wants to hear like the same you know drum pattern for you know two or three minutes like no one wants to hear that but like now i'm more confident to be like no this is i i enjoy this i'm okay with like sitting in this so maybe someone else will yeah i think i i also pick up usually from the get-go of one of your records that i'm supposed to be listening to this front to back mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, especially everything. with volume one of yeah. free lunch yeah that one um yeah it, it's meant to be all of my albums are sequenced in a way like they're not just like randoms like everything is sequenced so that you get one feeling from one song to the next and that's the whole point i know people don't necessarily listen to the albums like that but like that's the point it is an album that you are supposed to listen to front to back you do to get a different feeling
Did you know you were going to do different volumes of free lunch when you started the project initially? Uh, no, I just started making different songs and like they just didn't um, fit. Like those songs, like I, I was like, I, I wanted to make an ambient song. It's like, okay, I want, I did that. And then I make something that sounds boom bap. I'm just like, this yeah, because when we get into volume two, <laughs> I was like, oh, is the is all three volumes going to be this experimental? And then you get into two and then it's like, no, this is, <laughs> this is different. This is yeah. a whole different trip. Yeah. I mean, like on almost every, every album, I like make one song that kind of like is kind of just weird and out like not, not necessarily weird, but just like a genre of music that I've never made before. Like I like, um, on absolute zero, I went more electronic and I mm -hmm. wanted to make like something that was, you know, you could play in one of those Euro clubs that, yeah, you know, yeah. like something like that. I wanted I to make added like, shit to my DJ library <laughs> off of your, your yeah. entire catalog, but specifically that, tra that, yeah. uh, that record. Yeah. Cause I wanted to, I, I wanted to be like, okay, can I make a song like that? I don't know. I, let's, let's see it. Let's try it out. You know, on, on the black album, I made a, a juke record. I've never made juke music before, but that is black music. That is, you know, uh, Chicago, Detroit. Like that is that is music that uh, black people uh, like and make. So uh, let's see if I can make a juke record. Um, and ambient music was one of those things. I was like listening to a bunch of stuff. And I was like, well, I wonder if I could. Um, uh, Vad Slave. I'm going to mispronounce the name. Vad Slave Delay, I believe is his name. Um, and he's this uh abstract artist and i just a few years ago i just started listening to his music and i just loved it um he has an album called uh, i think it's called multi uh it's just an absolute uh, great album and i just thought well, well i wonder if i can do that so i started you know experimenting with ambient music and that's how i made that and then you know sometimes i want to make um something that's kind of club ready you know, I want to make I want to be able to make something that's ambient, but also want to make something like Timbaland. Yeah, I uh, I dig that four touchdowns in a single game on volume <laughs> two on the salad. Yeah. <laughs> had this idea that my, one of my favorite intro lines of any song is from Ghostface Killer's Fish where he says we eat fish toss salads and make rap ballads like that's one of my favorite like just because this the there's no music like there's no he's not talking or anything for like a minute like yeah. it's just the beat for like a minute I mean there's an intro movie snippet obviously because it's a Wu-Tang record um there's a there's a movie snippet and then there's just like a, a you know 30 seconds of beat and then all of a sudden he just comes out of the where out of nowhere we eat fish toss salads and make <laughs> rap ballads i'm like what like <laughs> what a specific just random thing to say like what what <laughs> and it was just funny to me so i was like i'm gonna make i'm gonna make an album called fish toss salads and rap ballads that just sounds funny 
and as I was doing and I started making this album I decided that I wanted to make uh three different albums so I thought okay well then I'll just name one fish one I was gonna name it toss salad but then Chris Chris Rock kind of ruined toss salad for me you can, <laughs> if you don't know what that means you may want to google it you google may not it. I don't know but um he kind of ruined that so I just called it salad and then rap ballads was the third one and and then the reason why it's called free lunch is because I went back to um went back to that Iron Man album and um on the song um all that I got is you he says um in the summer free lunch held us down like steel and that line I remember when I first heard it that was the first time because I was also on the free lunch program when I was a kid and I didn't know that was like a thing like I didn't like he's in you know New York like I and I'm in Texas like I didn't know that free lunch was a thing um and I never and I never appreciated it as a kid obviously because you're a kid like why would you right <laughs> like you you all I knew is that my brother would wake me up and say hey we're going to the park because they have free lunch and I'm like okay yeah let's go I just thought it was a thing I didn't realize it was a government program and if they didn't do that like I probably wouldn't have eaten I didn't appreciate it at all so that line has always stuck with me ever since I heard it when I was about like 16 or whatever when I when I first heard it so I don't know free lunch just kind of fit in like I just went back to that album and the term free lunch just popped up and I was like okay I'm gonna name the whole thing free free lunch yeah I think that's that's a cool tribute to that but then also just I feel like so much creativity in its own for you to to come up with the titles mm. and, and breaking down that that mm. ghost face yeah. line and <laughs> I think you know I was just talking to this with uh talking about this with this dude black Alex who was on the podcast recently mm -hmm. and how much, how much fun it is to, to find the, the reference points in hip hop mm -hmm. and like what a, that, that's such a huge attraction to me for mm -hmm. the entire genre is where your, where your, uh, references at and how do you, how do you connect the dots between things? So mm -hmm. I appreciate just yeah. the, the titling of <laughs> things, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I have, I have, like I said, like when I'm when I think of like rap lines, I'll write them down. And when I have thoughts of songs, like the way I want to name a song or when I have how I want to name it, I have thoughts like that. So they all just kind of come together eventually. Volume three of Free Lunch. I wanted to talk about Theaster Gates. Is okay. that the, the right enunciation? Uh, uh, Theaster Gates? I, I think it's uh, Thester. Thester Gates? Yeah. That's you on the mm -hmm. on the track. Yeah. Talking about the light. Yeah. Um yeah, that's actually taken from a um a documentary called The Absence of Light. Um Black Black Art and Absence of Light and it was just um they were talking about um there was this exposition like in the 70s that just uh ex ex um they I forget the the name of it, but it was at the LACMA, the the museum in LA and they were like introduced like a hundred years of like black art that no one had ever really seen before. And the whole documentary is just about that. And it was just like how, you know, black artists typically are working in the dark. Like for years, people were making these beautiful, gorgeous paintings that no one really cared about because they weren't European. Um, so people just still creating art, you know, in the dark. Um, and then that was, uh, that just came to me from that. So that's how that 
name together. Do we have the capacity to be great creators in the absence of light? If blackness has something to do with the absence of light, does creating black art mean that sometimes I'm making when no one's looking? And for the most part, that's been the truth of our lives. Is there light? Yes. But until we own that light, I'm not happy. Until we're in our own houses of exhibition and discovery, of research, until we figured out ways to be the masters of our own art world, then I'd rather work in darkness. I'd rather work in darkness because at least I know that I'm working. I don't want to only work when the light comes on. My fear is that we've been trained and conditioned to only create if there's a light. And that makes us codependent on a thing that we don't control. Are you willing to create art in the absence of light? Are you willing to create art in the absence of light? Are you willing to create art in the absence of light? Are you willing to create art in the absence of light? Is there more free lunch to, to come? Uh, I don't know. I, kind of, I think I feel like I'm kind of tapped out. I mean, three <laughs> albums. <laughs> three albums. And plus, like, if you go on Bandcamp, you can, like, buy and get, like, um, if you buy it on Bandcamp, you'll get additional songs that aren't streaming. So there's a bunch of songs. So, like, there's literally, like, two hours of music. So, I mean, I just made two hours of music. <laughs> so I don't know if I can make a, <laughs> I don't know if I have another album in me right now. You ever get the, the itch to to kind of like maybe jump back on some some instruments i know you're talking about you were in band and mm. in school and whatnot is there any desire to you know be sampling actual mm. instrumentation that that you're playing in the future actually that was uh that was the idea for this album i thought because i had an idea to like make an album and I thought I was going to do it this summer, but like my, my finances kind of uh, fell through. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'm going to buy, you know, a bass guitar so I can like make my own bass lines and I'm going to, you know, buy electric guitar and all this other stuff. But it didn't happen. Um, so I don't know, may- maybe maybe later on this year. But um, yeah, definitely. I, I want to start making my own samples and and uh, not rely on um, not have to pay. <laughs> for for to clear a, a bunch of samples or yeah. re, just relying on sound packs and stuff so yeah i definitely want to make my own yeah i'd imagine that's just gonna open up a, a whole new mm-hmm. layer of things of of creativity and especially the way you're approaching different projects and you know even doing the experimental stuff mm-hmm. i i got to imagine that helps just inform mm-hmm. the the overall process or diving into the ambient record mm-hmm. or making the boom bap shit mm-hmm. like always exploring different mm-hmm. lanes of things yeah absolutely um i i, I was kind of funny like i made volume two and three first and then i made three it kind of like as a palate cleanser just so i could i just wanted to just do whatever like i made two and three at the same time basically and i was just like i just picked songs and it was like okay this will go over here, this will go over here but when i was i i purposely made you know the first one last just because i just wanted to only do that i didn't want any other influence coming in and it was really fun to make 
Hell yeah. Is uh is your dad still alive? Yes, he is. Is he is it is he stoked on what you're doing? Uh, you're the he, you're the one I mean, that he's the one that set all this in yeah, motion I mean, it seems. So yeah. he was always like real supportive of you jumping yeah, down the uh, music lane. Well, both of my parents, I mean, I mean my, my both of my parents are together and still alive. Um and they um yeah, they they're super proud. I mean, they they are those type of parents that just, you know, uh, uh, my dad tells me that he tells people at his work that, you know, his, his son put out an album or like when he finds out someone else is a musician, well, my son does this. And, you know, he's just, they're, they're both uh, very proud parents. So yeah. it's, it's, it's great. Putting people onto your music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's great. Uh, it's just cool because obviously that, that had a big impact mm-hmm. if you just being around that ever mm-hmm. since you were a kid and you know yeah i like, mean yeah it's funny like my it's like my parents didn't play instruments um i don't remember them like going to a lot of concerts as a kid although my dad was a limo driver for a while so he did like drive around to famous people for a while um but um as far as but they just loved music they just had records like my dad uh, would always you know have records or tapes you know you were playing playing tapes in the car and just always introduced me to new music like that was and it wasn't like sit down son listen you're gonna yeah. listen to this it was just yeah. it, it was just like it was it was bonding mm-hmm. it was it was just bonding moments yeah my experience was the often similar like mm-hmm. with my dad it was never you know he was it was never this sit down thing yeah it was just yeah, you're gonna hear. I'm, you're gonna hear some real music. Yeah, I was just, I was just interested mm-hmm. in what he yeah. was listening to, mm-hmm. and and that shit stuck, and mm-hmm. still some of my favorite music, and you know. Yeah. I was just listening to like whenever my dad was a big fan of uh, the band War, um, and like uh, they're probably you know most famous for the Lowrider song, but like I that was like the last song I heard. Like my dad. <laughs> listen to all their i'm like so i was just listening to them probably like a couple hours ago before before we started talking and every time i think of that band i think of my dad because that was the first time yeah that's that's like huey lewis in the news Mm -hmm. to me and uh i knew who phil collins was before i knew who knew what Mm -hmm. into the air in the air tonight Mm -hmm. was you know (laughs) yeah my dad listened to reggae i probably never heard bob marley until i was a teenager he listened to you know third world and uh black uhuru and stuff like that like i i didn't know who bob marley was for years yeah yeah did you start your own vinyl collection pretty early on as well or is that, uh, actually, is that a more recent actually, development? no it's, it's more recent like and i don't have i don't i don't i wouldn't consider myself a collector i just buy what i like like i don't i don't have a bunch of like dusty records yeah i don't buy a whole lot of used records i just you know when i go to the record store i just buy what i like um yeah, and it's pretty recent, like within like the past couple of years. And I'd imagine once you're opening up that record, you're probably doing your research, going deep into the liner notes, mm-hmm. and, and oh yeah, reading I, up I on miss it. that. I miss that so much. I miss that. I miss like when I was, you know, a teenager. We had CDs, and you'd be able to open up the CD jacket and like read who was the executive producer, mm. as if that matters to me at all. But like, I want to know who the engineer was. Yeah. Actually, that's probably why I went to school to be an engineer because I saw those names on there, and I was like, "What does that person do? I want to, <laughs> I want to do whatever that is." And I don't know, like being able to see who the photographer was, and and now you know you don't really do that too much like you can't you have to like search for it 
it's not just there for yeah. you like it's kind of hard to like it's kind of hard to know all that stuff now unless you like really care and i, I can't imagine being like 13 years old you know, listening to something on spotify or whatever and being like oh i wonder who the uh the engineer on this was like I don't even know that that's a thing. Right. (laughs) I wonder who ran this garage band session. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can't can't imagine even thinking about that. I know you said you didn't particularly enjoy the engineering route when you took it, but do you ever uh, record or, you know, do sessions for other folks these days? Uh, No, no, I don't. I don't really work. I don't work with a lot of other people as far as like recording. Like I, I work, I, I try to like when I put on shows, like I try to bring other people on. So I definitely like, I'm, I'm all for working with other people. Like anybody's ever been on a show with me, they know that I, I love putting on other people. So um, I, I don't know if it sounded like I was sound off, uh, stand off. No, I didn't think it came off, came off that way at all. <laughs> I hope not. But um, I, I definitely do uh, love working with other people. And, um, but like, as far as like engineering and stuff, I don't know. I don't, I'm kind of rusty. Like, I really only know my stuff. So when I'm working okay. with someone else's stuff, I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll defer to someone else. And so that, that stuff all changes so quickly. Yeah, exactly. If you, if you don't keep up with it. Yeah, if you, like, what was, what I what I learned probably means nothing now. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. I appreciate you, you taking the time and letting me uh, pick your brain about the tunes. And yeah, absolutely. getting to know where you come from and, you know, the history of the music. And, uh, I know you got, you got a few things that you, you put out regularly mm-hmm. on your, your own channels. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, you want to plug any of the, the conversations that you've been having about, oh, yeah. about records and whatnot. Yeah. I have this really fun series, um, that I started, uh, during the pandemic, um, called never heard it. Um, at first, at first it was just me talking about you know, albums that I'd never heard. Like for instance, I'd never heard um Straight Out of Compton by NWA. Even though like I'm definitely of age that I should yeah. have heard it, but I just never did. It just I don't know, I it just felt like uh, I probably I know what it sounds like. <laughs> I, I get it. You've heard a track. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard a track. I've I've heard, you know, all the songs. I've heard, you know, F the police. I get it. Yeah. Um and then like the anniversary came up and I like posted because on my Instagram, I post, you know, different anniversaries and stuff. And like as I was doing that, I was kind of like, well, I'm posting about this stuff. But I've never actually heard it. So I just started doing like a on my YouTube channel. I would just review uh, different albums that I never got around to listening to. And one of them, you know, um, I, I kind of get flack for, you know, putting like public enemy albums that i've never heard or a krs album that i never heard or dude it's so funny yeah. that people want to like try to strip credibility yeah. from you if yeah. you haven't heard a certain record yeah and there's too much fucking music to to hear everything yeah exactly and that's why i wanted to do it i wanted to because i know that there are other people that haven't heard you know certain records and you you're not nobody's the gatekeeper for hip-hop like there's no mayor of hip-hop land that's gonna that's gonna kick you out yeah like or any other genre yeah there's <laughs> like yes i'm i definitely i am of the hip-hop generation like i i am part of this culture you can't take that away from me but there's just some stuff that i haven't heard right and and it's okay so after i what happened was i kind of like ran out of albums more or less 
I'm not saying that I've heard everything, but still, like, I, I only, my, my definition of a classic means that it had to change the culture in some way. Okay. So I know that there are a bunch of, you know, great albums that maybe I haven't heard, but is it a classic? Like, capital C, you mm-hmm. need to, you know, hear this, you know. Is it like, my, my, my barometer is, uh, like, the chronic. There's before the chronic, Dr. Dre, mm. and then there's after chronic. You know, like, gangster rap was, like, a thing and like that right kind of like you know people did it but like that was over there and then when the chronic came out it's like oh hip-hop like rap can sound like that it can sound clean and crisp and it can sound oh okay like this is and people just start and for a few years like it just ran so the chronic is the barometer for me what like does it do that does does your classic album do that Mm. um so that's why i feel like i've heard most you know most of the, the, the capital c classics so then i started interviewing other people so then i have other people on um that haven't heard uh, certain albums so one of my favorites um was a person that was actually on your podcast uh, sherbert okay i talked to sherbert who is a beat maker and he had never heard jay dilla's donuts wild (laughs) (laughs) um so we sat down and we talked about it It it's like all right well um well well, let's talk about it and that was one of those ones where i kind of had to bite my tongue and be like okay it's okay like i i had to be because like it's freaking jay dilla you have to but like no i i i I don't want anyone doing that to me so i'm definitely not going to do it to someone else so um I don't know, and there's a bunch so of so they canceled Sherbert from hip hop after, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, he, he can't make records. He's anymore. not allowed to do anything. <laughs> he can't make Shout out to Sherbert; he's playing July 14th at the uh, Brothers <laughs> Row. <laughs> so he's not canceled. He didn't get canceled. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's there's a bunch of other like great conversations that I've had with uh, other people. Like I, I did one with Jonas. Uh, he had never heard um, uh, Ice Cube's first album, um, America's oh. Most Wanted. That clip with uh, Northern Draw oh, on the yeah. House of Pain. Oh, that's great. That that's that's literally one of my favorite. That's a highlight <laughs> clip. <laughs> that's one of my favorite. Like, I feel like I kind of just want to review albums with, with Northern Draw. Like, I feel like yeah. I just want to do a show with him. <laughs> I that endorse would, it. Do it. <laughs> that, that, that would just be fun. But, like, I've had, like, a bunch of really fun conversations. And I have a lot more coming up. Um, I've interviewed so many people. Um, it's just that I only do, I only put out the interviews like once a month. I put out, I have like my own review and then I put out their review. So I only do like two a month because, you know, I get busy and it takes a lot of work. Yeah. So, um, but I have like so many, uh, interviews that I haven't put out yet. So that, that's really fun. I also have a, a show, another series called, um, uh, it's been a while where I talk about albums that, I listened to as a kid, but I haven't listened to like recently. I did like uh, Queen Latifah's Black Rain. Um, I think the next one coming up is going to be Destiny's Child. Um, Writings on the Wall. Like that was an album that I remember when that came out. That was a big deal. And um, I haven't listened to it in years. Yeah, it's fun to check in with stuff yeah. about like that. Like, to do, see I, do what, I still care? Yeah, to see what resonates still. Yeah. And was and then, I just caught up in the hype or... Yeah. Did I really enjoy that album? Or just be like, whoa, I was I was really in a different place yeah. when I was uh when I was vibing with this. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz this means nothing to me. Now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I have that um so uh, where I just like check in and you know that that's a fun series too. Um 
Yeah, I think that's that's all that I'm doing right now. On so you can check that out on my YouTube channel. It's just Free Tillman on YouTube. Um, but the name of the show is Never Heard It. Also, have another show called um, It's Been a While. Cool. I'll put those links in the episode notes as well as the the links for your music, so people can uh, tap in and connect with you there. And like I said, so much music to go back and check out in the catalog. And uh, I mean, I've technically released four albums <laughs> this year. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's July. You know. Doing work over here. Yeah, doing work during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, we end every episode with the the guest of the podcast saying the tagline for the show, which is "It's a program." So if we can get the free Tillman, it's a program. We can properly end this thing. Uh, you just want me to say it's a program? However you would like to, like to do it. Right. Yeah. All right. It's a program. He nailed it, everybody. That's free Tillman. <laughs> Links will be in the episode notes. And uh, I want to play it out with a track off Free Lunch Volume 3, Rap Ballads. This is Alma Thomas. And that is the Jelly Jams. We'll catch you on the flip side. Portland. Cool, man. give a big shout out to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast can't say thank you enough to distro kid for their support of this thing and make sure you go into the episode notes and find that distro kid link to receive 30 percent off your first year of membership with distro kid making their 
already affordable prices, even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up, stay tuned.